this is a new iPad. Probably a good portion of your life is on that iPad. Is the internet a net positive, in your opinion? I always joke around and say, if I had the power to burn down the internet, I would. James McGibney is a cyber security expert who has made it his mission to use his skills to help people victimized by revenge porn, for one thing. He found out about a site that victimized people that were so innocent and minding their own business. You may have seen the docuseries on Netflix. I think it was the most hated man on the internet, a guy by the name of Hunter Moore. James devised a plan to shut that all down, and we're going to talk about how he does what he does. Are people still doing that kind of thing today? We don't want to name them and yeah, give them I any attention, here, but, but are yeah, there other sites? The, and a lot of them live on the dark web, and for audience members who aren't aware what the dark web is, the dark web is a, a very small sliver of the actual internet, let's say about 5%, 5 to 7%, um, but it is the wild, wild west. You know, You need a special browser just to get to the dark web but you can get anything on the dark web. Look at companies like Silk Road that operated on the dark web. You could order drugs, have it delivered to your house via the dark web. You could hire a hitman. You can go on the dark web even now today in this political environment. And if you're a Republican and you're having an online dispute with a Democrat on social media, there you go on the dark web and you can hire someone to go harass and stalk the person you're having a fight with for a couple grand. They will stalk them online, they will stalk their children online, and in some instances, they will physically stalk them. And if these bad actors can get on the dark web, then so can the FBI and yeah. the county sheriff and other that's people. Right. Do they do that? Do they get on there and track this activity? They do, and that's how they ended up getting Silk Road. You know, the problem is, and God bless law enforcement, you know, I'm a huge supporter of them. Um you're really limited what you can do. So if someone comes to you and says, my naked images ended up on the dark web, the law enforcement's really limited what they can do. If you even you know, serve a subpoena, you've somehow found a server somewhere where you're able to issue a subpoena, even if you got the results of the subpoena, the chances are pretty good. The IP address information, the location you get is not where that person actually is. They've obfuscated their IP address and they're in another country altogether. So it's a never-ending rabbit hole. And that's where Bullyville comes into play. Um, I bypass all of that. You know, once again, I, I believe in what law enforcement does. I wish them all the best, but I can just get past all of that and target that individual server or site on the dark web. You can get to it and then you can interact with the owners of that domain or the domain itself or whatever. Yeah. Or, or not interact with them at all and just interact with the server itself. Yeah. Yeah. Hypothetically. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that we deal with all the time is these companies that put up fake ads selling products. They make the representation that Oprah and I have a product or Robin and I have a product or me and any number of people, they pair up, have these products. It's a bait and switch. They say you get this for free, but you have to give us your credit card number, of course. Yeah. 
we get so many letters from viewers, particularly those on fixed income that say, well, I'm going to try this. So they do it. And then all of a sudden they're getting billed $78 a month and they're on fixed income yeah. or $178 a month and they can't get it to stop. Right. We try to find the companies. We send cease and desist letters. They close down, move across the street, open back up. Yeah. It's hard as hell to find them. It's hard as hell to track them down. Yeah. And the key is to find the owners. You got to right. find, and those are who you go after. You go after the owners and make sure, you know, at least from our perspective, we want to make sure they know who we are and what we're about to do and give them, you know, the same thing with Hunter Moore. We're going to give you an opportunity to do the right thing. If you don't, you know, you're going to pay the digital consequences. And it's the equivalent of a digital enema that we gave to Hunter and that we give to others that rightly deserve it. Yeah. Sometimes we found that they're as close as San Diego and other times Thailand. Yeah. And that's the thing. So, and then even if you go to the police, what are they going to do? How are they going to stop someone in yeah, Thailand? They say, well, it's a civil matter. Yeah. It's a civil matter. And you go to the courts and when courts, if you even get it, like you said earlier, cease and desist, you're going to send it to Thailand. That's going to go in the trash can. Yeah. I bet I've sent, a hundred cease and desist letters. Wow. Think about all the time and energy. Oh. And if you had attorneys that were doing it, how much money was involved in that? Yeah. And and you're still at you know square one. Yeah. And people are still getting sucked in by these people. Yeah. And I hate that. Yeah. And now, how many of the people contact you? Do you guys have a lot of customers who then contact you saying, hey. We do. We help them every way that we can. Yeah, and we tough. tell them what they need to do to stop it, to call their bank, to do this. Because the banks will stop it. Yeah. If they call their credit card company, they will cancel Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yep. But most people don't know that. Right. You have some 75-year-old woman out there, and they keep hitting her credit card every month. And they say, well, I can't get them to cancel it. Well, you can call exactly. Visa or Amex yeah. and tell them it's fraud. They'll yeah, stop it. Exactly. And they might even give you the money back. Sometimes. You know, it depends on what kind of card and all that you have. Yeah. So what's the biggest threat out there right now? We talked about some of these frauds today, but what's the biggest threat out there that people need to be concerned about on the internet? You know, is there a list? Yeah, I think probably the biggest concern is, is social engineering. So back in the day, it was brute force attacks. It was man against machine, you know, breaking into the networks, getting on the servers with no human interaction at all. It's a lot tougher to hack Microsoft these days to get to someone's email account. However, if I could email you directly via social engineering, that is the human to human element. And that's a lot easier. So I always tell people, you know, be real cautious. Just assume that everyone is out to get you on the internet. And that you, if you go in with that attitude that this is probably something's wrong with this email, for example, chances are you're right. Your gut instinct is right. Always go with your gut when it comes to cybersecurity. And if people get these emails from the IRS or from Amazon or whatever, and it says IRS, it says Amazon, it says Target or eBay or whatever, and they're not asking for money. They're not asking them to do anything. There's just a link there that they click on. Yeah. How do we get them to know not to do that? And if they're, for example, a regular Amazon customer, so they have a lot of traffic back and forth with Amazon. It's real easy to mix one in there that's phony. Yeah, it's tough. I always tell people just take your time, especially the elderly. I work a lot with the elderly uh, community and um, just take your time. Look at the email, you know, and worst case scenario, forward it. 
forward that email to everyone, even Amazon would have a customer support email address where you could forward that to them and say, is this legitimate? And just take your time. There's no rush. There's no rush to click on anything. Um, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. Scammers are getting smarter. They are. Hackers are some, some of the smartest people in the world. And they're getting really sophisticated. Yeah. They have good computers. They have good computer skills. Yep. And we're just normal consumers. There's a real mismatch here. Oh, it's not fair. That's definitely not fair at all. And that's why, you know, I was looking at that stat earlier of over $1 billion of scams in 2022 uh, from 60-year-olds and older. That, that's a staggering statistic if you think about that. All right. Now, can you remove your personal information from the internet? Somewhat. So there's a lot of aggregators of your information, where you live, your phone number, things like that, where one company feeds 30 other companies online with that information. You can contact like Intellectus, for example. There's a number of them you can contact and tell them you want your information removed and they'll remove it. So there are ways to do it. Um, if it's on the dark web, no. Can't get it off. Stuff. I mean, we have way, you know, the average person, no, it would be very difficult to do um, because the problem is, you know, credit, credit reports are the biggest thing. Credit reports and credit card numbers are on the dark web more than anything else to buy those, those two things. Um, you're not getting that removed as the average consumer. And now the hacker has everything about you. So they can do a number of phishing, vishing, whatever it may be, pretexting, whatever it is. Um, they have all that information about you. So when they call you and they say they're from the IRS and they tell you your social security number, you're most likely going to say, okay, well, this is a legitimate call. They have my social security number and they know the last three places I've lived. Little do they know that the hacker got that information off of the dark web. Isn't it safe to say that any legitimate company, whether it's Amazon, eBay, agency like IRS, uh, the state government, mm -hmm. the sheriff's office, the whoever, no legitimate entity is going to call you requiring urgent information for you to release or pay cash in any way at any time that you don't have time to call the mothership and find out if it's right. No matter what they're threatening, yep. we're coming to your house to, to arrest, arrest you, you. Yeah. if you don't pay X within the next 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. That's a risk you've got to be willing to take, that's right? Because that's just simply not going to happen. That's right. The IRS is a great example. They're going to send you a letter for sure. And in most instances, depending on what it is, it might be a certified letter, uh, right. one you have to sign for. They're not just going to cold call you and say, you owe us $5,000 and you have a half hour to pay it, or are you going to go to jail? You know, but, and once again, that's the, that's the issue when they focus on the elderly, they don't know of those scams. A lot of them don't know that these scams exist and they've never even, you know, received a phone call from the IRS before. So the fear, that's the thing with hackers. They want to instill fear and emotion. That's that emotion that they want to pull out of you because when you're fearful, you're not always thinking straight. Yeah. But what, we've got to say to people is these people can be sophisticated, but it takes your cooperation yeah. 
in most circumstances you for them to, to get something. to you. Yeah, you're going to have to do something. You've got to click on something. That's right. You've got to answer a question. That's you've got right. to do something. Yeah. And if it feels wrong, they need to hang up or hit delete. Yeah, or find someone who's in cybersecurity. There's usually someone in the family or extended family who's in IT or even cybersecurity. And I always tell people, you always want to have one cybersecurity friend in your circle of trust, in your group, and that's who you want to go to. So if you're not sure, instead of reaching out to that company, reach out to someone who you know is in cybersecurity and have them take a quick look. There's something in America called due process. That's right. And nobody is going to come take your money, your property, or your freedom without due process. That's right. So anybody that's calling you on the phone and saying, you pay us X or we're going to do Y is absolutely untrue. Yeah. You are entitled to due process and you don't have to take that bait. You don't have to do that. Yeah, that's right. I'm worried as we're coming into a dangerous period of time here. We're coming into the holiday season. We're coming into year end and a mm -hmm. lot of people are on calendar year yep. for taxes and things of that nature. So we're coming into a real fertile time for these people to create urgency yeah. and push people to do something. Yeah. It's good that you're doing shows like this. You're getting the word out so people know, especially this time of year, you're doing it in November. So millions yeah. of people are now going to know, look, you know, he makes a good point. I need to be more cautious online. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I have some great expert lawyers with me today. Tracy Siska, Laura McNeil, Steve Greenberg, and Xavier Pope. We're talking about the confidence man, the con man, the scams that they run. And they're internet scams, they're mail scams, they're phone scams. But I promise you, before the end of this month, some scammer, some con man is going to intersect with you in your life one way or another. What are the signs? I mean, we need to tell people because you guys know, you see this all the time from a legal point of view. What are the signs? Because I always tell people, one, for example, places like the government, the IRS, they don't call you. They, don't. <laughs> they do not call phone. you. My mother was called and she called me and said, the IRS called. No, they didn't. <laughs> no, no. I didn't even ever finish the sentence. The IRS called and said, I owe $2,300. No, they didn't. The IRS does not call you. That's the first thing, right? If they call and say, hey, listen, they're getting ready to garnish your bank accounts. They're getting ready to seize all your... No, that's not true. They don't call, right? Yeah, absolutely. They don't threaten to arrest you either. And this Another client talked to me about 
her being threatened to be arrested. I said, if they, if they were going to arrest you, they'd be right. at your door. Right. They're not threatening There's you. There's a DEA scam that's yeah. going on where they, where the, it's, it's been going on for, for at least a decade now where people get a call from, the, hey, we're with the DEA and you've been buying illegal drugs. And some of the people, you know, the, the law of averages, right? Some people say, I haven't been buying any drugs at all. But some people are either buying illegal drugs or they're buying drugs, you know, legitimately, but now they're scared. And, you know, you have to send this much money is a is a civil penalty or we're going to arrest yeah. you. That's been going on for years. Right. Right. I yeah. think the best advice I would give is, number one, if it looks too good to be true, it's yeah. probably true. Trust your instincts. People ignore their instincts and say, you know, I knew something was off. Trust your instincts. And I think it's also important to make sure if they're asking you to transfer your, any account numbers, if someone's calling you, cold calling you and asking you for your account number or to transfer funds anywhere, those are huge red flags. And again, my mother's been scammed a million times, a bank calling, allegedly her bank saying someone's, they need to lock her account down, it's been compromised, we need your account number. And so I think those are three major red flags that you would say to look out for. And I think also you, these same scammers, ask them for their information, a- ask ways to verify them. And when you start asking questions about verifying them, and then they, they'll start to back off. They, they don't want to, to get their information. They don't want a legitimate email attached to a company that you can actually research and look at. That's the sign. That's where you hear the click. Click. Right. Ask <laughs> or a if they have a foreign accent, a real thick foreign accent, and they say they're from the IRS. Yeah, the that's IRS, probably. The IRS knocks. <laughs> that's what they do. They don't that's call. The, that's the language they use. Right. Yeah. Knock on the door. <laughs> and scammers pressure you to act immediately. You know, you got to act on this right now. I get, I'm on someone's list for car insurance. And how, no, it's like insurance, even though we got done with the payments. So a car that got totaled in an accident many years ago now and is gone. But like every six months, we're contacted by email and mail. They're just hard after us on this scam related to our old car that's three or four years, you know, four years gone from us. But it's hardcore. And they just keep, this is five years now. They just keep coming after us for this. That time is important. Act now. You are put in a position, particularly if you are of a vulnerable population, like senior citizens, the your give up personal information right now, the intense pressure on them. And a lot of them, you don't see a lot of senior citizens committing crimes. And so in their brain, they, they want to be able to protect themselves from if they unfortunately did something that that they accidentally maybe was illegal. And so that timing element pushing you to do something in that moment is one of the biggest elements of why scams work. That's a big, big flag. And what worries me is mail fraud. I've seen, and I've got examples of them, letters that they don't look like IRS letterhead. They've actually taken the IRS letterhead and put it on a letter and sent it. It's the IRS letterhead. They've hijacked it and put it on a letter. So you look at it and go, go on the website. Well, hell, that's the IRS letterhead. If it's an organization you know, but the promise, the demand, or the problem doesn't sound right, then you've got to get personal contact, right? You've got to call somebody and say, hey, I got a letter here. Is this a department? Is this a request that you guys would make or whatever? And you get stuck in voice jail, but you <laughs> got you to figure something out. Right. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar problem. You also have to think about the extensions that some of the websites maybe use. It looks like the IRS, it's IRS dot another extension, not gov. It's, it's, it's 
lookalike website that may be able phishing your information as well. What about these debt collection scams with these people calling to say, you owe money and you pay us this, we're going to forgive that? Because they have somehow gotten a hold of somebody's numbers, they've hacked in, they've bought something, and they know what people owe. How do people protect themselves from that? What do you recommend people do when they get somebody calling saying, you owe 2000 pay us $500, we will wipe your debt out? The Federal Trade Commission allows for uh, individuals to get one free copy of their, of their credit report. So you, you want to be able to get that. And then you want to call those credit agencies and get uh, a full copy of your credit report, walk yourself through it, see what's on there, and find the, uh, the, verify the accuracy and call the different uh, the companies that are there to, to verify the debt. I mean, that's important because there are rules that protect consumers in that, in that right. case. If, if someone calls and says, you know, hey, we'll forgive your, your $5,000 for $1,000 after you get past the initial shock of it sounds too good to be true, as, as she said, uh, then, uh, then I think you want to call the actual company that you owe the debt to. Just all people have to do to prevent getting scammed when they get a call is say, give me your number. Let me call you back. I'm, I'll call you back in five minutes. Do your homework. Yeah, I, I, support, Do your homework. I support that's what you it. said because a lot yeah. of times before it hits your credit report, there's like a 30-day or 60-day window. And so it may not show up and it might be legit. And so I think it's important to go straight to the source. That's always going to be my advice to any client. You go straight to the source. If it's a certain department store, call that department store. And they'll say, this is the credit bureau or the credit collection company that we use, and you call them directly. One of the ones I've seen recently that was shocking to me, but we had a couple on the show, is the parent-slash-grandparent scam. You talk about lazy scammers, but they get the number. How they get it, I don't know. But they get the number, and they call up and say, Grandma, do you know who this is? Like it's playing the game. And they say, well, is this... Carol? Yes, it's Carol. Okay, now they know she's got a granddaughter named Carol. Then she says, I'm in so much trouble. I've got to have $500 or I'm going to go to jail. Please don't tell mom. Can you send me $500 by Western Union? Please don't tell my parents they'll kill me. Honest to God, this is going like wildfire. And the couple that we had on Someone called them, got the daughter's name, and said, we have your daughter, and she couldn't reach the husband, and they were demanding $10,000 right now, or they're going to kill the daughter, and she couldn't reach the husband. He was on a flight. Fortunately, she contacted a friend who said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. They actually got the daughter out of class at school and verified that she was A-OK. But they wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't paying off. If it's mm -hmm. one out of 100 times, then you've got $10,000, and they're running these on phone banks. If you're making $500 a day doing it, you yeah. get one person to take $500 a day, five-day work week, yeah. that's, you're making six figures now. Once again, they are playing on urgency. They are playing on people's fears, um, things that are close and personal to them, and maximizing that to be able to gain confidence in that moment that it's legitimate, and then transferring that into, um, to the scams that they're doing on people. I think we're saying it real clear. You've got to talk to the source. You can't give in to the pressure. 
Because time pressure is what's getting people to pull the trigger, right? Exactly. That's the time pressure. It's, it's you must do this now. It is, and it doesn't matter what the act is. Pay this money. Get this person free. Uh, do this. Do that. And it's right now. Act immediately. Because they know that if that, is, that call is done, well, they, they'll move on to the next call. But they will try to maximize the urgency of that moment as much as possible. And also they're, the they're maximizing it because, Xavier, they want to make sure that you don't call your daughter or your son. Exactly. Right. Or your neighbor or your friend who's in a, you know, to, to, to verify the legitimacy of it. So that's also part of the scam before they, you know, in terms of their credibility being compromised. Right. You look, you look at anything, they're, they're always preying on the urgency. You go to buy a car in the dealership, you know, knows example. once you walk out, yeah, you're probably example. not going to buy the car. Or you go to buy a timeshare, yeah. go to a timeshare sales thing and, and they put all the pressure on you. And then because they know you aren't going to call up later and say, I want the timeshare. So this is no different. They're, they're, you got to strike when, when the iron's hot. It's a different form of sales. I mean, you, any type of sales training, people have one and they have multiple rebuttals until it gets to the end when they're gone. Scams are working the same way. Well, one of the things that I am stunned by are these romance scams out of Nigeria. We do the catfish shows about these people, and I thought I had seen it all until recently I had a woman on that was convinced that this was the love of her life. Two years, never met him. Never done a FaceTime with him, hadn't done a phone call with him. It was all text, and she had sent him about $300,000. I had her on the show. He had stolen these pictures from somebody. She only had six pictures, and he was sending her all these love letters and stuff like that. I found the guy whose pictures were stolen, had him on satellite so she could see the real person, said, I'm so sorry that's not me i had my picture stolen said you see the guy all these documents he had sent he was stuck in africa and construction site had been robbed on the way to the airport excuse after excuse after excuse she said oh my god i feel so stupid she left the show the guy started talking to her again she sold her house and sent him the money Wow. After the show? After, After I introduced evidence. him on satellite that it wasn't him. And she sold her house and sent him the money to come meet her. He didn't show. She came back on the show still believing he was real. I brought the real guy in from North Carolina. She only had six pictures. We brought the six shirts he was in the pictures in. Showed her him and the six shirts and let her meet him in person. And she now swears she totally believes it this time. But here's this woman that worked 30 years, gave him all of her money, sold her house, gave him all the money, has nowhere to live, totally broke. But I don't, that, that doesn't sound like, that sounds like it started out as a scam and, and there might be some issues that, that she has. If you right. had her on and she knew it wasn't, you know, it wasn't real. The key is romance. Yeah, you just, you, the key is romance because the, 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 the center of romance, people want this fairy tale life. And the person that's on the romance, romance scam, they're utilizing these fancies, this fan, fantasy and taking advantage of that. 
the person is, is, is conjuring in their mind all these different scenarios. And so even when they're presented with the fact that it isn't true, what they're doing is going along. This is part of the romance, the, the adventure, the intrigue. Oh, wow, now it's Dr. Phil is involved. They even brought another guy with pictures. This is all playing into the element of excitement that's with romance. And also, they always promise when I come, I'm coming with millions. That's right. But they, I, I've got millions, but I need your money to get I the millions. I need your money to that's get right. the millions. Listen, I'm stuck here. I just have to pay the tax. I have to pay the levy. I have to do this or that. And then I'm going to come with $10 million. I'm 30 years younger than you. And I'm just crazy in love with you. I'm going to take care of you the rest of my life. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. We have an epidemic going on right now that has to do with fentanyl. Fentanyl laced into a variety of drugs and counterfeit pills that our kids are buying on social media. And this is something that you may think you are aware of. I thought I was aware of in terms of the scope and got a rude awakening in the last week to 10 days as I was preparing for a show. Joining me today is Tim Mackey. He is a professor at UC San Diego in the Global Health Program and director of the Global Health and Data Policy Institute. He also is the CEO and co-founder of the health and technology company S3 Research. He's working along social media outlets to take down drug dealers from the inside. And I'm talking about working with major, major players on the internet where these transactions are taking place. They want to stop it. He wants to stop it. He's working with them. It's easy to hate on these big media companies, but the truth is they don't want this happening at all. They just don't know how to stop it. But what Tim's doing is a big part of their efforts to do that. Also joining me is former director of the DEA Special Operations Unit, Derek Maltz. Now, he says he's been tracking the explosion of synthetic drugs since his retirement in 2014. I don't know why he calls it retirement. I guess he means retirement from the DEA because he hadn't let up a lick. He currently works for the software company Penlink Limited as the executive director, government relations, and stays very, very close to law enforcement, hand in hand, every day. So all the information that we're going to hear from Derek is up to the minute. This is a crisis. We have kids, young adults, teenagers that are dying as we speak because they are buying counterfeit pills laced with fentanyl. They think they're buying one thing, but they're buying something else. True? Right. So, and it's not just the pills that are killing right now, Dr. Phil, it's fentanyl mixed in with cocaine, fentanyl mi mixed in with methamphetamine, fentanyl even mixed in with marijuana. There are some cases in America 
with fatalities. But what we really have is 275 to 300 a day in America are dying from drugs. The CDC most recent statistics in a 12-month period ending June of 2021 reveal 101,263 dead Americans from drugs. It's also now the leading cause of death for all Americans aged 18 to 45. But we are seeing many kids as 12 years old dying, 13, 14, 15. When you say it's a leading cause, specifically, what are you saying is the leading cause? Fentanyl poisoning. Okay. They call it fentanyl overdoses, but I call it poisoning because that's what it is. Uh, More prevalent than COVID deaths, car accidents, and even suicide. Okay. So we're not talking about just drug use. We're talking about fentanyl poisoning in the drugs that are being purchased. Right. A great example, Dr. Phil, is some 14-year-old sees his mother taking Xanax, has no idea what it is, goes online, and it says it's for anxiety and depression. So that person then wants to get some Xanax. They'll take a pill from mom's pill bottle, feel great, feel really good, take another pill. But then when the supply's out, we'll go to Snapchat, go to social media, try to buy one. But unfortunately, the fake pills that are being sold on the internet are coming from Mexican cartel labs, and they're making fentanyl-laced pills, and they're making all types of different products with fentanyl, which is killing Americans at record levels as they have a lethal relationship with the Chinese transnational criminals as well. Well, we're going to talk about that some more in a minute, including the drug laundering. But Tim, he says they're going online and buying this. Now, you're CEO and co-founder of the health and technology company, S3 Research. And this was created to identify illicit drug dealers online. What does that mean? You've got stakeholders like Google, YouTube, Snapchat, because you're trying to find and ferret out these people that are selling these drugs online. So how are they doing that? How is this working, Tim? First, uh, a little bit of background on the company. Uh, It was actually started by a a federal grant from the government. So the U.S. taxpayer is supporting the development of this crucial public technology that focuses on a need that a lot of technology companies aren't meeting, and that is removing uh, illicit drug dealers on their platforms. And so the problem is, is that these drug dealers are across all the platforms, across all parts of the Internet, including uh, Internet search engines, social media, and the dark web. And in order to understand their tactics and their marketing approaches and how they entice people to buy their products, you really have to have a landscape view of what's going on. So they're very aggressive in marketing. They're just like any other marketer. Uh, they use hashtags. They use uh, you know very uh, descriptive images of what they're trying to sell. They uh, target certain users on these platforms because they're talking about substance use disorder or they're talking about other things. And they are very much uh, socially active, reaching out to people, trying to get them to buy the products. You say that we've seen a volume of around 80 to 90,000 dealers on social media over the past two years across different media platforms? Yeah, and we see even more as we look into new platforms, such as uh, Discord and Telegram that are more encrypted and private. Uh, that number just keeps going up. And that could include people who are active drug dealers who are posting messages. It could be comments to other users trying to get them to buy drugs. And it could be uh, other types of advertising material 
and yeah, it's, it's the scope is really, uh, really, really uh, hard to grasp. Parents, listen, that's why I said this is urgently relevant. You just heard Derek Maltz say that millions of pills are being seized that are counterfeit, and as much as 40% of them have a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl in them. So your kids, your teenagers, your 12-year-old, whoever has access to these social media platforms can be back there and say, okay, look, I'm not a drug addict, but I think I want to try this out. I want to see you know, what the deal is, or we're going to have a sleepover. Let's get a pill. Let's see what happens. And maybe they get one pill and they break it up into parts and pieces and share it among three or four of them. And every one of them can drop dead. And if you think, well, now you're being dramatic, Dr. Phil, they're going to get one oxycodone counterfeit pill and four of them drop dead. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It happened just recently in Long Beach with some comedians, and it wasn't even counterfeit pills. It had to do with cocaine and marijuana. We just had a group of parents on our show with kids that were not drug addicts. They ordered exactly that one pill. One young lady took a quarter of a capsule and was dead. A quarter of a capsule. So if you think we're being dramatic about this, we are not. Fentanyl is 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine. And I don't even want to talk about carfentanil yet. We'll get to that in a minute. But fentanyl is 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine, and it's being mixed into these drugs. And 40% of the pills have potentially lethal doses in them. Now, Tim, talk about item number 38, which is on your screen, because I want parents to be able to see what is coming up on their kids' screens, phones, or whatever. These are just some of the emojis, drug codes that I want to decode. This is what they use to signal they're dealing. This is what they have. This is what they're selling. These are some of the more common ones, correct? Correct. And uh, we have uh, channels that we look at where they actually list the uh, emojis that they use like a menu. And so uh, you can see what the menu of drugs are and how those code words work. This is to evade some of the detection techniques that different platforms use. There are a lot of use of hashtags and slang terms as well. And as you saw in the last uh, picture that we saw, uh, a lot of obfuscation by trying to change the name of a drug um, with characters and other types of symbols. And then you'd see things that are so obvious, like a drug dealer providing a QR code so that you can scan it on your mobile phone and get access to their menu of drugs on uh, something like another platform. So there are very clandestine ways of, of communicating this information, but there are very open ways as well. And what we're seeing more and more is how interactive and easy it is to access this information compared to what we we're seeing maybe five years ago. Derek, let me ask you about this delivery thing. You order this and they deliver it to your house? Well, if you listen to the story of Matt Capilouto and every family out there that's losing their kids, I mean, once they order it, the drug dealer will just deliver it right to the house. That's exactly what happened with Alex Capilouto. And so, yeah, it's, it's just the way they do the business. They feel very comfortable and it's happening every day all around America. But Dr. Phil, just so you know, the cartels themselves are not using these sites like for retail distribution. 
They're making the powder in Mexico. They're making the pills in Mexico. They're selling them to the, to the people here in America. And then they have the, the distribution business on the streets of this country so they can make money as well. So there's multiple levels. Dr. Nicholas Cardereth, he is an expert on addiction involving technology. When you break it down like this, like we're talking about, we know the brain changes with sleep deprivation. We know there are brain changes with these exposures to screen and then with some of the content. Lassie could figure out that this is a bad combination here, but yet we seem to just keep pedaling right down the road into this, which is why I wanted to do this and have this conversation so parents understood not only does the research say that these dangers are obtaining, but it's not just correlational. If you look at the factors here, the changes in the brain, the social impact with the depression and suicide in response to the hate messages and the, why don't you just kill yourself? You're ugly. You're this, you're that. I suppose we still have to say it's correlational because we can't draw a bright red line from those messages to some 12-year-old girl uh, attempting to take her life or actually taking her life, but it's awfully hard to ignore the juxtaposition of those experiences, and parents just have to pay attention to that. They just can't pretend that's not there. And I think the other thing that I think is important to keep in mind, I said earlier that this has not been by accident. You have big tech and some very sophisticated people that work designing these platforms. And I think it was a, a blessing when we had uh, Frances Hogan, the Facebook whistleblower. She came out last year and she showed us the internal emails of Meta and Instagram. And their own internal research showed that these platforms were harmful to young people. Suicidality in teenage girls went up 12% in England, 6% in the U.S. Um, um, eating disorders were exacerbated by 17%. Their own internal research said our stuff is toxic. And the, and the internal email dialogues were, should we change the algorithms to make them less harmful? And it was, nope, because the less toxic the algorithm, the less engagement. And so it was a similar, it's a similar thing to the Purdue Pharmaceuticals and OxyContin where they knew that their product was habit-forming and harmful, and yet they, they sold it anyway, to Big Tobacco, where Big Tobacco knew it was a carcinogen, but they marketed Joe Camel to kids anyway. So that's where I think a curse on their houses, because it's one thing if a company doesn't realize, oops, you know, maybe our product, we, we didn't realize there was some harms happening, but by their own admission, these were designed to be habit-forming. By their own research, they're harmful. So now you have, like it was just in the news three days ago, the Seattle School District is suing Meta and Snapchat uh, for harming the mental health consciously of young people. So we as the parents should begin to sort of put up some guardrails and realize that this is a, a, a by design, well-orchestrated attack on our young people. And our young people, you, you were saying before, when you've worked with some uh, Olympic athletes who got burnout after a certain point. Well, our young people are experiencing burnout, but they're in, they're in a, a digital cage that we big tech has trapped them in, but it's a sugar-coated cage that they like the taste of. And so they're not saying, I want to check out yet because 
even though they're self-destructing and their lives are collapsing and becoming smaller and smaller, they like the taste of the cage that they're in because it's tickling that dopamine there. So they're not, they're not opting out yet. I really wonder if B.F. Skinner and some of his colleagues could have ever foreseen how their research on locking people in and resistance to extinction, all of that was going to play out in gambling and gaming and addiction to all of this. I bet you they're turning over in their graves watching how yeah. all this is being used to program these toxic right. elements into these devices. Right. Baked right in. It's baked right in. And the, the problem is that we as the adults, we're too busy playing Candy Crush to, we're also trapped in the cage too. So we're not noticing that. I mean, I've got 15-year-old twin sons, identical twin. I've got a natural twin study at home, by the way. I've got identical boys. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and, you know, and it's interesting. One is more, uh, you know, I delayed, you know, the message I try to give parents is delay, delay, delay. You know, de as much as you can delay giving your children these devices, the better shot they have at having a more developed brain and social development to be able to handle them. And the more able they are to develop countervailing um, activities in their lives, like you're more likely to, you know, if you, if you have some interests, if you're playing sports or a musical instrument and you've got a social network, you're more, you're less likely to fall prey to some of these things. So, you know, the older a kid gets, the more likely they are to have what I call a healthy psychological immune system. But if you have a compromised psychological immune system and then this digital virus comes your way, you're going to get snake bit. You're so right. And I hope parents hear that. Old sayings become old sayings because they're profound. Like, you're not going to get a hit if you aren't swinging. If your child is involved in sports or choir or arts and crafts, whatever it is, and they're getting rewarded from that, they're going to be less subject to becoming dependent on something like this. I watch my grandkids, for example, and they're all involved in year-round sports, and they're into scuba diving and all these mm -hmm. different things. And it's like, I know that they see all of these things, and I see them with these groups of friends and stuff. And I think that's really, you said, it's an immune system against this because they have so many things that they get paid off from. Right, right. I kind of analogize it the other day to people talk about, you know, the old cat woman down on the corner that just lives with 50 cats but doesn't deal with any people. It's just easier the cats don't require her to take a shower, get dressed, get in her car, go out, meet people for dinner, have a conversation, answer questions, go back and forth. It's just easier to stay home with the cats. It's the same thing with these digital relationships. You don't have to be an interesting conversationalist. You don't have to be a good friend that's there during hard times. You aren't required to put as much effort and energy into it. You just click or don't yeah. and you make a comment. It doesn't matter if you're in your pajamas and slippers. It's so much easier and they don't develop those skills. But for 99.999999% of the people, it doesn't pay very well. So eventually you're going to have to get out there and compete. But unfortunately, because I think you nailed it, 
perfectly. That's exactly what happens. All those other activities take, they take initiative and effort. And so, but now we've primed this generation to lean into not putting in the effort, you know, stick to itivism, resilience, grit, all those things that we know are important. Um, so many of our young people lack those ingredients now. And it's not as if it's a switch that you can magically turn on. You know, the kid who's been living on his mom's couch for 15 years isn't going to magically develop grit. No. Um, I mean, we try in our treatment program to kind of change the course of history. But once you ingrain some of those bad habits, it's really hard to undo. And that's, I think, the message for parenting. It's easier to prevent than to treat. And so if we could prevent some of these issues from happening and be thoughtful Look, it takes a lot more effort to be a tech cautious parent. I know that there were plenty of long drives. It would have been easier to drop the tablet in the backseat of the car when my kids were being noisy or whatever. It takes a lot more effort. But at the end of the day, the reward is greater and it's worth the climb because it's easy. And then let's face it, every parent who uses the digital babysitter, they have that little justification. Well, it's educational, baby Einstein. And I was told by big tech, it's good for them. Yeah, they wouldn't lie to you, of course. Oh, and by the way, here's the new model every six months for you to buy. Right. Why would Apple lie to us? Right. But I try to tell parents that the way children form their self-image, their level of self-esteem, their level of self-worth is by observing themselves overcome the challenges and obstacles of life. If they see themselves make the choir or make the team or get out there and form friends and go to a slumber party and get by and go to college and get along with a professor they don't like, et cetera, et cetera. They observe themselves do that and they attribute to themselves the ability to overcome challenges and adversity. And if you don't require that of them, you cheat them out of the ability to observe that in themselves and attribute the traits, characteristics, and qualities to themselves that, hey, I can do this. I can do that. Right. Like you say, it's hard to unring those bells when you've passed those developmental opportunities without seizing on them. And I really worry that we're raising a generation here that's not learning about themselves the way they need to and the way they could. Well, and, and at the other end of the parenting continuum, you have the negligent parent, but then you have the, you know, the helicopter parent who is also robbing their child of the opportunity to figure things out for themselves because they're bubble wrapping their kid and they're not allowing them to scrape their elbows and to learn from for what they're doing. So all those things that you're talking about are exactly spot on. And that's why in, in our treatment program, what you talk about overcoming obstacles, we do a hero's journey process where you know, we're trying to tell our young people who are stuck in digital escapism that you can be the hero because most video games are the hero's journey in the digital format. So right. it's, it's a protagonist. It's an avatar that's overcoming all these fictitious uh, obstacles. And so we tell our young people, you be the hero in your life. What is what are the obstacles that you need to overcome that you need to lean into so you can actually feel the, a genuine sense of accomplishment, not level 43 in fictitious digital game X, you know? So you're exactly right, is how can we help our young people lean into experiences, lean into establishing resilience and grit and failure and picking themselves up and all those things that some parents are uncomfortable with. So 
you know, we have to learn a bit too as the parents and how to better do this as well. Well, and a lot of these parents are sitting right next to the kid or in the next room and they're on TikTok or Instagram and doing the very same thing that the kid's doing. So they feel a little hypocritical if they take too hard of a stand. And that's a problem. But let me ask in closing, doctor, what is your advice to a parent or grandparent that's listening right now that has input, their kid has the smartphone, they are on it more than they need to. We didn't go through all the hours, but they're spending more and more time on these things. They are using them. They've heard what we say and they go, wow, we're who they're talking about. What are first steps that you recommend for them to do? And as you say, if it's extreme, they probably need professional help. They probably need your treatment centers. They probably need to be in there. But for those that want to take first steps, what do you recommend? Yeah, I think young kids and teenagers, they don't like being told what to do, right? So if you're sort of that nagging parent or grandparent, you get shut shut out pretty you become that Charlie Brown teacher wah, 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 in the background. Yeah. But they respond to, I found that kids respond because they don't like to be manipulated, showing them something like the social dilemma, that documentary, which pulled back the curtain from big tech, the, the engineers of big tech saying, Hey, this is how we're manipulating you. And I have had young people respond really positively to what I'm being manipulated by these people. It's like, Yeah. So you're not being a rebel. You're not a rebel. You're a rebel without a cause right now because you're just being monetized and manipulated. And and 14 and 16 year olds respond to that. If you show them a a well, a well-produced documentary like that can be eye opening for some of them, Uh, because if you're just going to sort of drone on and on that, get off your device, you're going to get shut shut out eventually. So showing them some of the research, showing them some of the the ways that they're being manipulated can be really helpful in addition to giving them other things to engage in, backdooring some recreational activities, going out for a trip or if it's camping or having them join Boy Scouts or girl, you know, any kind of experience that can backdoor in um, less time on screens uh, without even doing it overtly. They don't even have to know that that's what you're doing um, can be helpful. Yeah, get them where there's no connectivity. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Go to camp, yeah. go to some other types of experiences where you don't, you know, they don't want to go to a digital detox boot camp, but they might want to go to a surf camp or they might want to go to, you know, a, a horse ranch for six weeks over the summer. These are things. And oh, by the way, there's no phones allowed, but that's not what you're going there for. You're going there to get a nature experience. Well, that's great advice. 